Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Well, she was complaining that she'd missed out on all that teenage stuff, you know, homecoming, proms. What, what if we do something to take her back to her teen years? Like get her pregnant? Uh, that's been done to death. You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining us again from the SNL Nerds podcast, it's returning guest, John Trumbull. Welcome back, John. Hey, Ryan. Thanks very much for having me back uh, once again. Always a pleasure to stop by uh, Cheers Cast and have a brew. <laughs> Always a pleasure to have you and have a brew, yeah. Um, folks, we are nearing the end of Season 6. It's coming up fast now. Season 6, Episode 22, Slumber Party Massacred. This one is written by Thief Sutton, directed by, hey, James Burroughs. He's back. He missed a lot of episodes Ooh. this season. But, uh, yeah, oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah. He, missed, he only did maybe half of the episodes this season. Um, and was I'm he like busy launching other shows? Well, that was like the, that? I talked about that. With the, there was a Judd Hirsch show that was coming out this same calendar year, but it would have been it would have been in the fall, and I don't know if he would have been missing all that time just because he was directing the first couple episodes of that. So maybe was, it was, that, just, was that Dear John? Dear John, yeah, Dear John was the name of the show. Yeah, I remember that show. Yeah, um, yeah, Burroughs directed the first two episodes of that. So if he was involved in the development from the beginning. Maybe that was taking him away from Cheers, but I don't know. Maybe it was just other personal stuff. Maybe it was a little bit of creative burnout needed a break. Um, he does. He also takes a lot of episodes of season seven off, so it might have just been around this time. He, he was just kind of like doing some other stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he is back for this little stretch. Um, the original air date for this one was Thursday, March twenty fourth, nineteen eighty eight. Carla invites Sam over to dinner so the Tortellis can practice their social skills. But during the dinner, her son Anthony reveals that he and his wife Annie are pregnant. This news first infuriates Carla and then devastates her as she realizes she's about to be a grandmother, having hardly any memories of a fun, carefree youth. Sliding into depression, Carla refuses to go back to work. Unable to find a suitable replacement, Rebecca is desperate to get Carla back. She hatches a plan to give Carla what she's been missing, a night of youthful frivolity and hijinks with friends in the form of a slumber party. The only women in the cast, Rebecca Lilith and a visiting colleague of Lilith's, go to Carla's house to talk about boys, tell scary stories, do their hair and nails, and pull pranks. Carla agrees to indulge this nonsense for an hour. Even the surprise appearance of Sam, Norm, Cliff, and Fraser singing Gene Chandler's Duke of Earl fails to rouse Carla out of her funk. She banishes them all from her house, telling Sam she will find something to boost her spirits, but it can't be forced. She has to find it organically. At that point, Cliff accidentally splits his pants and shamefully slips out of the house before Carla erupts in laughter. All right, John, what did you think about this one? It's an interesting episode of Cheers. Uh, I, You know, I asked you before we started recording, I was like, is this one that I requested? Because I, I went back and I watched it again twice for this episode, and, I, and quite honestly, not as good as I remembered it. <laughs> I was remembering it as one of my favorites of the season, and, I'm, and I watched it again, and I'm just like, yeah, that's just an okay episode of Cheers. Yeah, there were some funny parts, but yeah, it was okay, yeah. 
I, 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 I just wondered like what loomed large in my memory about this episode, I, and I don't quite recall. So um, it's it's a weird it's a weird structure to it. It is. We you know? we spend a lot more time in Carla's house probably than the bar actually. Yeah, and it, we spend it, a lot of time with the setup of the episode. Yeah, it's one of the last times we see Jay Thomas on the show. It's one of the only times where we see him sort of in a domestic capacity. And right. I, again, I mean, I, was, I you know, I've mentioned this again. Like, I, 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 I will get into the whole thing of his departure when the time comes when we get to that those episodes in season eight. Yeah. But it's, it, I, it is really unfortunate what happens with this character because I think he feels like he is of a piece of this world. I really well, like him the, and Carla together. I think they had good chemistry. He feels like a natural fit for this world, and under other circumstances, he could have been every much a, a regular supporting character that Lilith was, who ended up becoming a regular for a season. And I, I wish yeah. we'd gotten that with Eddie Lebeck, but it just didn't work out that way. Well, this had to be around the time that they were you know, pondering are we going to make Eddie or Lilith a regular or a regular recurring character on the show? Because I understand it was like a thing between the two of them, and obviously it worked out in B.B. Newer's favor. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they had to be considering it at, at around this time, I'm thinking. I, when, when exactly did B.B. Newer get bumped up? Was it in Season 7, Season 8? She, um, she's in the credits of Season 10, but I want to mm-hmm. say, I want to say she might be in every episode of Season 9. I would have to go back and look, okay. and it's it's like a and it's like yeah. a pretty steady increase in volume for the next couple of years of going from like right. you know six or eight guest appearances to half the season to almost all of them. Yeah, because yeah, Eddie's J, J. Thomas is only in two episodes next season, and then that's it. Um, that's it. Okay. Yeah. So the decision was kind of made for them, I guess. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like if you know the story, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it for you know right. people who who don't haven't heard it, and you, you're going to get to that. In time. I'll get into it when we need to, but yeah. So, but it's just yeah. ah, God. I, in retrospect, it sucks because I just I really like his character and I like what he does for the for the show and for Carla. But uh, but we'll we'll get more into that. And, and from what I from what I understand, this is also the very last episode where we ever see Anthony and Annie. Like they're mentioned again, I think, but this is the last time the actors are seen. Is that, that's what I was finding online. I think you're right because probably going forward, we see Gino and we see Serafina because uh, she's played yeah. by Leah Rimini. That's yeah, you're probably right. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think after this, they were like, okay, I think we're done with these Tortelli characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, after the Let's after not remind how, people of the swiftly canceled spinoff. Right after the show bombed, it might have been a hard sell for them. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and you know, not really any reflection on them. They play their roles well, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the show's not really about Carla's kids, so right, right. I, I get it. Yeah, we start off this episode with a very simple teaser, but it's honestly it is one of my favorite teasers. Norm is just sitting casually at the bar reading a paper, and they get a phone call, and and Sam takes it, and he says it's Vera, and he kind of gives Norm the option. He's like, "Are you here?" And Norm is like. Oh, sure, what the hell, I'll take it. He's like, I'm not doing anything else. Obviously, Cliff isn't there to bug him. So he takes the call, and he's like, oh, I have, I don't know where it is. I tried the broom closet. He's like, I don't know, maybe the pantry? That's probably a good place to look. He's like, okay, there, good job. And he hangs up. Yeah. And that's like the end of it. We only get the, that little 
seemingly innocent, innocuous conversation. And Sam is like, what was she looking for? And Norm says, the fire extinguisher. <laughs> and yeah. you take a second, everybody else gets it before Norm does, and they're like, is there a fire at your house? And he's like, I have no idea. Should I have asked? <laughs> and, and rather than bolt out of there, he just asks for the phone back. He's like, let me call her back and find out what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, the way George Wendt plays it, he's just so wonderfully blasé. <laughs> uh, a little, a small moment that really uh, stuck out at me is he doesn't even lean forward to hang up the phone. The phone's like maybe a foot away from him. And he just hands the, the receiver to Sam yeah. to hang up for him. That's how that's how rooted Norm is. It's just, I mean, you know, by by this point in the show, everybody knows how to play their character, and they know how to wring every laugh yeah. out of it. So, yeah, it's it's a great teaser just because we know Norm so well at this point, right, and right. and George Wayne knows how to play him so well at this yeah. point. Um, after the opening credits, uh, the gang is just sitting around watching sports on TV. Rebecca announces that she is getting going to get rid of that crappy TV, and everybody protests. They all, you know, growl and, and hiss. But she said that's just the setup because she says she's going to replace it with a new like 27 inch TV hooked up to the cable sports network. And they're like, yay! yay. And she's like, yeah, that was worth it. That little setup. But. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, Rebecca's got some big 80s hair going on at this point. She's, she does, oh yeah. yeah. She's hair sprayed within an inch of her life. <laughs> and the, the reference to a 27-inch screen kind of tickled <laughs> me too, because I was like, that's probably about the size of my my second monitor <laughs> on my computer. When we actually see it later on, I'm like, oh wow, that's what they were getting. That's what they were so excited. Yeah, I know. I was, I was like, that's yeah, that's not far off from my the, my computer monitor. But yeah. you know, that was impressive in 1988, I guess. Yeah. I was like expecting her to say like a you know a flat screen high def 4K, and I'm like, no, 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 not in 1988. No, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the gang is excited because they get to watch the heavyweight bout between Hector the Hammer Rodriguez and Julio the Hacker Rodriguez. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, somebody said, uh, and Nor- Norm says, "My money's on Rodriguez." Rodriguez, yeah, that's a safe bet. Good call. Because uh, yeah. Cliffy says that the hacker has got a glass jaw, and Woody goes, "My uncle Fergie had a glass eye. He used to take it out to scare the cat." <laughs> Wonderful non sequitur. Love that. Love that. Uh, you know, Woody's not, he doesn't have too much to do in this episode, but that was, you know, that was at the very least Woody's home run, you know? Yeah. Um, Frazier and Lilith come in with uh, Lilith's old colleague, Dorothy Greenberg, who is played by Elizabeth Ruscio. Um, and Frazier describes her as a professional student writing a dissertation on the Communeros uprising of Paraguay in the 1700s. And he says she can't talk about anything else. And oh yeah, you just see like the just the living hell that Frazier has. Like how much the guys usually feel about the banter that Frazier and Lilith have between them. You see Frazier feeling pretty much the same way between Lilith and and Dorothy. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. That like Frazier really struck me in this episode because it's like okay, he comes in and he's like just got married on the show at this point because I know he got married during Rebecca's first season, so he just got married a few episodes ago. Yep. Cliff says like, "Oh, how's married life?" Yep. And, and and Frazier makes a joke about like the the march until death or something. <laughs> right, like that. right. Um, and 
you know, it, it's so funny. Like you really realize how how acclimated Frazier has become to Cheers at this point because like he wants to watch the fight. He's complaining about his wife. Later on, he makes he's making bets with the gang about when Woody is going to realize something, and he's <laughs> he's really just one of the guys at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's a completely different character than Frazier was when he first came on the show. And it's only because Kelsey Grammer is so good at what he does that it feels like the same guy at all. Exactly, exactly. He's been yeah. pulled down to their level. And I, I think it is just the the presence of another character every bit as pompous and and, and, and as uptight as him and Lilith usually are. That's sort yeah. of, he's able to have that distance and, and look at them the way yeah. he does, the way he sometimes looked at Diane. Not, not lovingly, but more sort of patronizingly, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's a great moment. Carla asks him to come to her house for dinner, and he's like, hey, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Just immediately he looks at it as some sort of punishment. Yeah. I, I also like that um, like when he suggests like inviting some, some of the other guys to the bar, everybody ducks behind the bar, and Sam is momentarily fooled by that. <laughs> And it's, they, they do it in such unison. He's like, why don't you ask the other guys? And he turns and looks, and everybody is behind the counter. And he's like, what just happened? He's like, where'd they go? Yeah, he's like, where'd you guys go? Yeah. So yeah. Sam is definitely getting stupider at this point. Yeah. Like, we're 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 a ways away from the street smart Sam of seasons one and two. All right. Um, but it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole pretext for this is very flimsy because, like, Jesus, Carla just says she needs she needs him to come over so they can practice their social eating skills before Eddie invites his boss over to eat or something like that. Um, yeah. And then I look at like after he agrees to do it, like eight ish or whatever, he walks back to the other side of the bar where, hey, magically everybody is back at their stools and back at their seats yeah, and everything. Yeah. Like, and he's like, "Where did you guys go?" And they're like, "What are you talking about? We were here the whole time." And Norm kind of yeah. jokingly like pokes at, pokes at the bear and he's like, "By the way, thanks for hogging that invitation to Carla's house." And boom. Without like there was like no telling this because we never saw the other side of the bar, but Carla pops up from behind the bar between Sam and Norm right in his face, and she's like, "There's still room for one more," and like nearly knocks him off his seat. It's like, I mean, the closest Cheers can ever come to a jump scare, but it was really effective. I was like, that was a good. There is, there is some very good physical comedy in this episode. I think I think that really stood out for me in this episode. Yeah. yeah. So that that's a nice moment. Yeah. Um then we go to the Tortellis for for the dinner um and uh curiously it's just the five of them just like the five basically the adults although as we find out like Anthony and Annie cuz I I asked this earlier this question I wasn't quite sure because Annie worked at the bar briefly during the season. Um, right. but I was like, I was like, I don't know if she can sell drinks because, as she says, I'll be twenty in two years. Okay, meaning she's still only eighteen now. Um, I think, at least in the eighties, I think the rule was like you could sell alcoholic at, at eighteen, but you couldn't drink it until you were twenty-one. I think that might have been the rule. Maybe, maybe, and I get. I'm, I'm not. I, yeah, I'm not I would have saying to, it makes sense, right? But yeah, I, I have a vague memory of the rule. Also, I was. My second time around, I was like, wait a minute. Carla should have, like, two newborn babies at home. Exactly. <laughs> because, like, the, the last time I was on the show, I think it was or, – or a recent time I was on the show was when Eddie and Carla were getting married. And that's when, like, you know, and they're pregnant and they learn they're pregnant with twins. So I'm like, okay, so those kids are, like, one at most. Oh, at yeah. They were point. just born a, a couple of couple of episodes ago or, like, you know, six or seven episodes okay. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a very – 
It's a very quiet household considering they have two young kids. Right. Maybe maybe they got put down for their naps or something else. But yeah, the fact that it's just a it's just the five essentially the grown ups or something. And Carla mentions yeah. that she's surprisingly happy. She's like, there's um, well, how, how does she say? She's like, I got a husband who washes the windows, and all of my kids are out of jail. So yeah, and she she says. When she wakes up in the morning, she wants to open up her eyes instead of her wrists. Which is <laughs> like, Jesus, gosh, that's a dark. <laughs> because, but the best part is, after that, Eddie looks at her lovingly and goes, that's beautiful, honey. <laughs> like, yep. Yeah, yeah. I also like their their start of the meal where Eddie, where Eddie just goes, okay, go. And everybody <laughs> just automatically passes the bowls around, scooping out a hunk, passing it to each other. Completely ignoring their guests, Sam cannot even get a bull passed to him. Well, I, I think the whole the whole obstacle is they don't pass it. Once they're done, they just put the bull down, and somebody else snatches it. That's why it oh, never yeah, manages yeah. to find its way in front of Sam until at the end yeah, and, and, he's he's left with like a yeah. single one Brussels sprout or something. Yeah, yeah, and then and then there's a long dinner roll, <laughs> yeah. thing. Long, and he just Italian, breaks off yeah. some of that. Dips it in his water to soften it up, and he's, he's eating that. And this is this is them with their party manners, of course. So. This is trend, yeah. Um, and uh, they actually there's kind of like this innocent joke here about Carla being a grandmother, and she talked about it like very like love, very like kind of upfront and very funny. And Anthony is like, "Well, that's great you say that because I knocked up any good." And Carla just leaps across the table, just comes and, and yeah. goes after him. It's so good, like the physical bit, another physical bit where she's just like on top of the table throttling her son. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, Eddie's like, "No, Carla, no. I just waxed the table." Yeah. And the way the way Sam has to pick her up off the table, it only works because of the size differential between Ted Danson and Rhea Perlman. Yeah. The fact that her like yeah. legs are still bent up and he's got his hands like locked around her, like the underside of her knees or something, and she's just like yeah. clamped in half. Carla is yeah, she's like balled up. She's basically in the fetal position and Ted Danson <laughs> just kind of grabs the underside of her thighs, I guess. Yeah. And then just kind of grabs her as a as a human ball. It's a very funny visual, and yeah, it's. I mean, it just it just shows the the comfort the cast had with each other at this point, and just <laughs> they're a well oiled machine, you know. Yeah. Um, and they they try to like smooth everything over. Sam and Eddie want to calm things down. They're like, let's not talk about this at the table. So Sam tries to ask. He's like, what do you drive, Eddie? <laughs> and they and Carl. Yeah, what, what kind of car do you drive? Yeah. Uh, the way Ted Danson underplays that is genius, <laughs> and I and I love how. They just continue peppering it throughout the rest of the conversation. It's like, I get I get 19 miles on the highway, 15, <laughs> 15 in town. In the town yeah. And then, like, a minute later, there's some dialogue about the current situation, and then Eddie, Eddie's like, 15 in town, really? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it reminded me of, like, there was, like, um, it was an episode with Diane... Uh-huh. I don't remember what it was, but they were at a dinner party or something, and Diane was freaking out. It might have been the one with Marky Post or somebody else. Like that, she was like freaking uh, another out. Another episode her. I talked about on here. Yeah, yeah. And she was freaking out about something going on or something, and then Sam just sits there and he keeps eating, and she's like, "How can you eat at a time like this?" He's like, "I've eaten through worse than this." Like, what are you talking <laughs> about? That's kind of what it reminded me of. Carla's having this That's whole true. thing with Anthony, talking about her kids and talking about her grandma, and Sam's just like, "I drive a Corvette myself." <laughs> it's like, yeah. I- 
I also liked it because I think it's, you know, Sam has that moment of, okay, I have to make small talk with <laughs> Carla's husband to get past this. But then he realized he really has nothing in common with this guy. <laughs> he has nothing to talk about. He just goes to, okay, I'll go to, I'll go with cars. <laughs> Which you would think as two former professional athletes, they would have a lot more in common. But <laughs> Yeah, I, I you know, That's, I mean, yeah. uh, baseball and hockey—they're they're worlds apart. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. And and is 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 uh, is Eddie a, is is he a penguin yet at this yep, point? Yep, is he, he in is. the ice show already? Okay. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're because uh, because Carla says that he's back from the ice show. Yeah, so he's he's alone okay. for a short time. Okay. But yeah, he has been with the ice show now. Um, uh, and yeah, there's this whole thing where like Carla said she wanted to be a grandmother years from now when the kids were older, and and he's like, I'm going to be 20 in two years. My biological clock is ticking, and they said that yeah. they, she was bored at home and having a child would give her something to do, but they still plan on living in the house because there aren't enough kids or there aren't enough people living there. Um, and after well, this, look, yeah. they're, they're obviously going into this with the right attitude, so <laughs> right. I I think those two crazy kids are going to make it. <laughs> Uh, they storm out after Carla assaults Anthony with the Italian bread. Um, and now she thinks that her life is over because she's a grandmother and she might as well wrap herself in like a black babushka. Um, and she kind of like tells Sam and Eddie, like as she's explaining, she was married when she was 15. She never went to prom or spring break. She never had like a, a childhood or any of those things. And she just went straight from like past middle age into being a granny. Yeah, so, yeah, and 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 she never had a slumber party. Yes, I mentioned that. Yeah. Foreshadowing, right? Um, and now it's some some amount of days later, and Rebecca has to fire the the waitress she hired. One of the waitresses she hired to fill in for Carla, but she drags a woman out out of the pool room as we hear the crowd in there booing and, and clamoring the fact that they're, the waitress is being taken away as she's putting her shirt back on. And she's like, what were you doing with your shirt? And she's like, that's how I was supposed to get tips or something like that. And, she, and Rebecca's like, yeah, this is not a topless bar. And she's like, well, when you got a pair like this, you don't hide them or something like that. You know? That is such a weird, random moment. It just, it just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I I just put in my notes like, what the hell is with the topless waitress? It's just a weird <laughs> throwaway gag yeah. that I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess it was just in there to show that they were kind of desperate without Carla or something. But it's it's really weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then I, I wasn't sure how much that gag worked, but then I really like for just this short little. Like stretch of like while we're in the bar, Rebecca just seems really frazzled to have to be working and actually tending yes. the bar, and and she kind of like mentions like she's she's not forced to she's being forced to deal with customers. She's like I was born to, I was not born to waitress I was born to manage waitresses, and she's yeah. like snapping at customers like when they ask for something she's like, you'll get it when I'm damn good and ready, and she like doesn't know how to. And there's this great little beat that. I don't know if it was an accident or intentional when Sam has, puts a couple of beers on, bottles of beer on the bar for an order. She goes to grab them and knocks them over 
and we like see them spilling and foam coming out and everything. And she's like, damn, she, but she still picks them up, even though they're like half spilled and carries them away to the table. And I wasn't sure. Yeah. She just seemed like, so, like so much of that, like nervous, chaotic energy that she just like was spilling drinks and stuff. And I was like, that's a great little detail. I don't know if it was intentional or not. It's a really weird moment because it gets no laugh. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so it struck me for that reason, because I know I know Cheers, you know, they were they were recorded live in front of a studio audience. And as far as I know, they never sweetened their laughter or anything. And but I've never seen them just have a moment just basically die like that. So if that was it didn't occur to me that it was a blooper. I was just thinking that it was a gag that didn't quite work. It, maybe it wasn't quite big enough or something. But yeah. I don't know. Um yeah, it, it it just really struck me. Like another thing is, there's there's a brief little scene where you know Fraser is with uh, Lilith and her friend Dorothy, and he's just bored, silly, because <laughs> because Dorothy is talking about nothing but but Paraguay, and she's like, oh yes, and they climbed into the hills and they aimed this cannon, but they they climbed to the wrong hill and they aimed the cannon at themselves instead of their oppressors, and. Uh, Kelsey Grammer is really good in that scene because he's just so he's so bored and he's so condescending. He was really reminding me of uh, John Cleese in Faulty Towers. Oh you yeah, know, it, it had that same sort of energy to it, oh, and I was just yeah. like, "Wow, Kelsey Grammer's just killing it in this scene." Because he's <laughs> and he didn't have a lot of dialogue; it was, it was just all in the attitude and all in the posture. But I was like, "Wow, yeah. way to go, Kelsey Grammer." <laughs> um. Woody and Cliff come back to the bar. Cliff is like holding his face. They went to cheer up Carla, but she spotted them from half a block away and threw a rock at Cliff's face. Um, and they're like, we need to do something to take it. They kind of get the idea that she's, you know, depressed that she's missing out on her childhood. They're like, we need to do something to take her back to her teen years. And Rebecca's like, what, like get her pregnant? And Cliff, he's like, nah, that's been done to death. It's like, it's so, one of the better gags in the yeah. episode. So they come I, up, that, yeah. I wrote that one down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as foreshadowed, they come up with the idea, hey, let's throw her a slumber party. And Lilith mm-hmm. Lilith jumps onto this. She says uh, recreating a ritual of youth can you know, somehow so- help someone jolt them out of a depression, of a fear of aging. And she goes, I also feel that it helps to listen to heavy doses of Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh, man. Very random, but yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> um, I, I I wouldn't have pegged Lilith as a, as a Creedence fan, but all right. <laughs> I wouldn't have. Um, and, and with her tone, doesn't do great a cappella singing. <laughs> like, knowing, knowing what B.B. Newirth is capable of, oh boy, she really, the character of Lilith can't carry a tune. Um, yeah, they, I know at one point they, on the show, they, they had her get singing lessons so she could sing to her baby. Mm-hmm. So I guess at this point in the Cheers continuity, Loveless is still supposed to be a not good singer. So, right. <laughs> um, But Frazier sees this opportunity and he, he tells Rebecca to invite Lilith and Dorothy to the slumber party. And he's like, Lilith, you've always found Carla an interesting case study. And they're like, oh, well, that's true. Mm-hmm. But they're like, Frazier, won't you be lonely? And he's like, well, it'll give me a chance to curl up with Dorothy's books and a roaring fire. <laughs> just like yeah. That, just that says it all. It's 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 funny that, like, okay, we, we have this slumber party, and then obviously the Cheers writers realized, oh, shit, we've only got, like, two regular characters and this one recurring character. We really need 
a fourth woman in there. So they just bring this rando in, <laughs> never seen before or since. And it's just, it's, it's like, ah, oh, wow. Cheers, Cheers could have used another female recurring character, I guess. And blessedly, I, I just love the fact that they just address it when, when they actually get like uh, Carla to come out. And the way Carla looks when she comes out, like, she yeah. has what she described as her funeral shroud. She's just got like this shawl like around her, around her neck. She's wearing huge black glasses. She's got like a, like a night dress or robe or something that is just like the the absence of color. I don't even know how else to describe it. It's like yeah, it's it's not even like flesh tone. It's just like something more bland than that. Um. And just, like, the way she comes out, like, it, it, she literally looks like a parody of, like, someone from the old country. Like, an old grandmother from the old country. just right. like, And a photo from another century, like, in another continent or something like that. And they bring her out and they're telling her, you know, it, it's a good chance to, you know, surprise, you know, you, this is a time when you should be surrounded by your friends. And Dorothy actually wraps her arm around her and says that. You should be surrounded by friends. And Carla's like, who the hell are you? Yeah. <sighs> It's it's cute, but it's not it's not much more than that. Like I, I feel like they missed a little something with Dorothy because she doesn't really do anything to escalate the situation or make it more awkward. It's just kind of mildly awkward, and she's playing a lot of the same notes as Lilith. Mm-hmm. And they don't. She's, yeah, she's they, just kind of like a clone of Lilith. And they don't really give her any funny lines, like any punchlines, to kind of like set her up, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's just kind of there. <laughs> and and I just look at it and I'm just like, oh, they could have done something else. Like, hey, I mean, you know, bring that waitress who's flashing everybody. <laughs> and, you know, make it make it even more awkward or something. They, they need it. I wish they they'd taken it up an, uh, another couple notches. You know, right, right. Um, so I don't know. It's it's a weird structure episode because it's got like it's basically got like three plot lines. We've got you know, the first plot line is, you know, they want to improve their their table manners in case Eddie's boss comes over for dinner. Then they drop that like a hot potato. And then we find out that Aunt, uh, Annie and Anthony are pregnant. We forget about all that just because it's making Carla old. And then it's like, then it's like, hey, let's have a slumber party. They don't even introduce the Carla feeling old until like nine minutes into the episode. Right. Yeah, it's it's just it's so I'd like to look at the outline of this episode because it just it just kind of lurches in one direction, then lurches in another direction and then goes into a third direction. And it's like, couldn't you have set up the, the pregnancy thing faster Yeah, and then get to the get to the good stuff of Carla feeling old and having the slumber party? Mm. It's almost, just an odd structured episode. I think the thing of it is they didn't need the dinner party at first for. For that reveal, no. Anthony yeah, and Annie he, could have just come to Cheers and told her. Yeah, just do that in a quick scene at the beginning. Then Carla is having her crisis. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to get more mileage out of the set. I don't know. Like, like Sam going over to Carla's for dinner. That's a that's a show in itself. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have expanded that and made that its own show. And the other stuff about Carla be feeling old. I don't know. That that should have been the main thrust of the show. And I feel like they could have gotten to the the main plot yeah. a little sooner. I mean, it, it is, but it's just, it's not until after the, the, after the act break, it's really just, it's the second yeah. half, but there's a lot of stuff in the first half that feels kind of like, okay, it took us a while to kind of get to the point of it. Yeah. I, I do agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it just it, it just really struck me because usually, like, I mean, Cheers is is structured really well and it has really solid stories. And this story was, I guess, a little more meandering than I'm used to Cheers being. Right. It, it feels very episodic. Right. And I guess I mean the the whole point is like you've got okay they're going to throw a slumber party for her, and none of these people are equipped to actually do that or replicate what a slumber party is like. Like for, right. for teenagers, like it's all hearsay and anecdotal from from Lilith and Dorothy, and Rebecca, right. you don't think really cares. She's not that invested in it, in as much as she just wants Rebecca. She just wants Carla to snap out of it and come back to work to lighten her load. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they they could have done a little more with that, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, like we don't we don't ever see Carla talk, or we don't ever see Rebecca talking about that when they're at Carla's place. Um, you know, it's just like, okay, well, Carl, I want you to snap out of it so you can come back to work. I mean, so you can feel better or, or, or something. Yeah, there, I mean, that could have actually had like an opportunity of them like sharing their most like awkward or horrible like moments as teenagers. I mean, that could have been. I mean, you yeah. know that Rebecca's got tons of those moments in the chamber for to unload, but you could have revealed something about about uh, Lilith in this instance or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, there could have been like a lot more. Just like if they had like gone that route of like gone to like go cheer her up, and just Carla's natural funk just like brings everybody else down and makes them as depressed as that. Yeah, that could have been a, a good twist. Or yeah, like like Charles uh, Carlos cheered up from depressing everyone else. That could have been a good twist. I you know, and like after the guys come over, and you know, it's very funny to see the the main guys singing Duke of Earl together. But then at the very end, Carla says like, "Oh well, something random will come along and snap me out of my funk. Something always does." And then Cliff comes back in. Bends over to pick up the jacket he left behind, and he splits his pants. And then he's like, "Oh, I don't know why this keeps happening. I already fixed them, you know." And it's like, "Well, that's why that keeps happening, Cliff." And then and Carla just loses it, and and Rhea Perlman plays it very well, but it's not a real satisfying ending. It's 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 kind of a weak gag to end on, and it's. It doesn't really work because it's just an arbitrary solution. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything. It's just Cliff splitting his pants. So it's a weird ending for Cheers. Uh Uh-oh. Sorry, I muted myself. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, jeez, you scared me there. I thought I'd lost you, and I thought I'd been cut off, and... (laughs) No, no, I was I muted for a minute. Okay. Um, All right. So I was yeah. obviously going on way too long. No, no, no but I, I I agree with you, and I think it's it's one of those things where the premise was just such that like it's like oh the character is just kind of in an existential funk. It's like that's not mm-hmm. that's not something with an obvious solution. So like, what do you do? It's like, well, you just you. You give them something to laugh at at the end of the episode, and it's like, yeah. okay, this doesn't solve the problem, but it's at least it's an emotional release for the audience, and that's really all you can do in this case. So, yeah, I mean, is it is yeah, is it satisfying? Is it satisfying? No, but I mean, you know, at least yeah. in as much as we like making fun of Cliff, you know, you got to see him sweat his pants. So, yeah, it's. It just bugged me because it is a very arbitrary solution, and 
I, you know, I, I don't, as far as I know, Cheers wasn't like really room written. I think you know, like writers would submit plots and then, you know, go off and write the episode on their own. And then maybe the, the staff would rewrite them. But mm. oh, yeah, if Steve like Sutton was like, he'd written a bunch of episodes by now. Like he was, he was definitely yeah. one of the, one of the regulars and one of the good ones. So. Yeah, he's he's one of the great Cheers writers, but this feels like an episode where they didn't quite crack the story, and it's kind of interesting in that regard. And especially since, like, this is this like in the beginning of the season, I I, I gave you this as one of the episodes I'd I'd be up for talking about, and then I watched it again. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen this in forever. It's not as good as I remember. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm kind of like, what were you thinking, John of the past? Maybe maybe it was a camel. Maybe it was one of those episodes that they had like oh, too many story ideas and just didn't couldn't couldn't put them together in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I I wanted to see something up the stakes a bit, and it, and it feels weird to say that about an episode where Carla finds out she's going to be a grandmother. And I wonder how old how old was Rhea Perlman when they shot this episode? Like, was she even forty yet? I doubt it. No, they were. She was probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because the carrot she says, like, I got together with Nick when I was 15, so she was obviously knocked up at that point. So, and Anthony's like 18, 19. Yeah, if he's 18. <laughs> so, so she, I mean, she should be like 33, between 33 and 35, or something like that. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Rhea Perlman's a good sport to go along with that plot. <laughs> like, hey, Rhea, we're going to make you a grandmother on the show. Maybe that's why they never revisited the pregnancy. Very, very well, like, maybe. The fact that they never brought brought those two back anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe she didn't want to constantly remind people that Carla was actually a grandmother. But, yeah, yeah it's it's just... It's an odd episode. It, it's got its funny moments. I mean, I like I like the guys at the bar betting on when Woody is going to realize <laughs> his illogical fallacy of like, oh, don't worry, we can watch this videotape. So we'll just hook up the TV, watch the videotape, and that'll tell us how to hook up the new TV. <laughs> you know, that, that's cute. Has nothing to do with anything else in the episode, but you know, we got to have something for Woody to do because he doesn't go over to Carlos, but. Uh, and and we keep a bit of the Sam Rebecca thing alive when Sam's getting flirty with Rebecca on the phone, mm-hmm. and Rebecca's just like, "Yeah, okay, yes, my night, my nightie is clinging to me. Yeah. Just, just come on over." <laughs> and and again, like just one of those little things. I like the moment when Eddie lets the girls into the house, like to for the party and everything, uh-huh. and he's like, "Hey, Carla, come out here," and she's like, "No," whatever. He's like. I want to talk to you about your funeral plot, and she's like, "I'll be right out." <laughs> it's like right, right, just something like that. And then, like, once she comes out, and, like, once they convince her, he just kind of has like this nonverbal goodbye to Rebecca, where he's like, "I'm out of here. I'll be back in an hour," or something like that. And it just yeah. feels like, very I like that organic. They put Rebecca in pigtails, and she's wearing a, a, a University of Connecticut sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was cute. It's, yeah. it's given Rebecca a little bit of backstory. Yeah, um, we do know we do know that she's from UConn. Yeah. Yeah, backseat Becky. Yes, exactly. Um, um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it just didn't quite take flight the way a, a, a Cheers episode usually does. Mm. So, a little disappointed in that regard. But, you know, look, it's a bad Cheers episode is still better than most other shows. So, I felt like there were a lot of little funny parts. The glue holding it all together wasn't as strong. But right, there was still a lot to laugh at and still a lot to enjoy. So yeah, I mean, like ideally, you want it to be as awkward 
and to escalate the way that like dinner at eightish does mm-hmm. when when Sam and Diane have dinner over at uh, Fraser and, and Lilith. Mm-hmm. That's how you want it to escalate, and this one didn't really do that. Um, although I think this is now two times we've seen Carla's kitchen and both has involved food or something flying across the table or being used as a weapon. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, do, I do like the set for Carla's uh, mm-hmm. place. It looks appropriately ramshackle. Yeah. And the, the set dressers do a good job. I, w- I was wondering, like, because you see some baby photos in the background, I was, like, wondering, like, are those are those just like random kids? Are they the kids of people on the crew? Are they Raya Perlman's kids? And who knows? Yeah. I, I was just curious about that. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on to the superlatives. Norm had four beers this episode, which brings him up to five hundred and seventy-four for the series. Um, That's pretty good considering how little Norm is in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the employee of the week, I gave it to Carla. I just I thought she was funny and she she carried what she needed to. Yeah, yeah, she was she was very good. I mean, it's obviously Rhea Perlman's episode. She does a great job with it. Uh, but honestly, I got to go with my gut. I'm I'm gonna give it to Frazier. I, th- I think Kelsey Grammer was so good with what he had to do in this episode. Um, you know, particularly that scene at the bar where he's he's just sitting with Lilith and Dorothy, and he's just bored to tears, and he's so he's so wonderfully condescending, and it was that, it was John Cleese esque, and that that was perfect. And then there's just this weird contrast to that, like at the very end of the episode when everybody's clearing out, he's like, "Well, this party was a stupid idea," and Dorothy says something like, "It wasn't stupid," and he says something like, "How would you like a punch in the face or a punch in the jaw or something like that?" It's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like. That came like like it felt like like that. Okay, he's been like feeling this hostility towards her the whole time, and we're just gonna let it out because it's like his last line of the show. It's like, but that just felt like weirdly like, okay, Fraser, wait, that, that's kind of crazy, violent. <laughs> and we we know he's I got think... this. We know he's got this dark side, but like that line just was like too much. I must have missed that. I remember him saying like, "Oh no, it was obviously the social event of the season." Yeah, and then she must have had a comeback after that, and then he, he said he was going to punch her. Okay, yeah, well, it's, it's weird, all right, but... well, um, Frazier's oh. repressing some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the home run, um, I, I think i got to give it to Carla going over the table to, to throttle Anthony as soon as he says I knocked up any good. Yeah. Yeah, I got to give it to uh, Sam grabbing Carla away <laughs> after she she lunges at at Anthony. I mean, just just the visual of of Ted Danson grabbing a bald up Rhea Perlman and just like <laughs> carrying her back across the table, uh, just mm, chef's kiss. That was so good. Yeah, yeah um, that that was terrific. And then, I, yeah, I, just, I, but I will give an honorable mention to you know what can we do to remind her of her youth? Get her pregnant? No, nah, that's been done to death. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, right. you know, only only Cheers had a, had the guts to do a running gag about how often one of the main characters gets pregnant. Yeah, or the fact that it was a teenage pregnancy too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's even funnier because they always wrote her real pregnancies into the show, so it just <laughs> added to the character. Yeah, that was great. Oh, all right, John. Well, sorry that this episode didn't live up to your your original hopes, but. Um, the next t- the next couple of seasons are some of my personal favorites, so I know there's a lot of oh, gems yeah. in the in the coming season. So when you come back next Wait. season, I know we'll have something better. 
Yeah, and we're and we're firmly into the Rebecca years now, and the Rebecca years are some of my favorite uh, years of the show. And you know, she had a really solid first season. I think we're getting towards the end of uh, of uh, Rebecca's first season, and I think w- we can say that it's probably not too early. You're, you're probably going to get into this more in the last episode, but I, I mean, I I will, and I will I will cover that. Like my memory was, it took about half of the season for her to really gel. But in as much as like the the wave, like she felt like she is firmly entrenched in the ensemble and everything, maybe that was true. But in terms of just the sheer performance of Kirstie Alley, she has been the heavy hitter this entire season. She is definitely yeah. leading the way of like the MVPs for that I that I do at the end of every episode. Kirstie Alley is leading by a mile right now. So I mean. Like definitely by the end of the season, she was like fully integrated into the show. She didn't feel like the new person. She right. was just she was there, and she had her own flavor to her. She didn't feel like Diane Part Two, and she but she wasn't so different that it it threw the show off. I mean, they they really did a nice job of integrating her into the cast. They did a few episodes early on where she was like hard ass boss lady. And then they were like, okay, that doesn't quite work. Okay, what what else can she do? Oh, Kiersey Alley can play neurotic really well. Okay, let's lean into that. And she's not like full, you know, level 10 mess that, that uh, Rebecca becomes later on. But mm-hmm. it's it's at a good level now. You know, she's half competent, half incompetent. Right. Which is a good – that's that's probably my favorite Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. All right, John. Well, thank you very much for being on this episode again. Where else can our listeners find you if they want to hear more from you? Uh, you can uh, check me out uh, with my buddy Darren Patterson on uh, the podcast The SNL Nerds, where, I mean, nominally the show is supposed to be about us watching Saturday Night Live and commenting on it. Um, there's We can't do that right now for a couple of reasons. <laughs> you know, there, there are some... There's a WGA strike. There's a, there's a SAG after strike. So that kind of limits... <laughs> the number of new shows that Saturday Night Live is doing. So we are doing what we do uh, during the summer and the hiatus weeks where we're watching uh, movies uh, starring Saturday Night Live alumni. So we're just doing that for the foreseeable future. And come join us, won't you? Very cool. What's uh, what's the most recent one that you've done? The most recent one that we did, um, we actually watched uh, Happy Gilmore because uh, Bob Barker just recently passed away. And we were like, oh, okay, yeah. this is as good a reason as any to, oh, to watch Happy Gilmore. And this is that, that was my very first time watching Happy Gilmore because I've, I've never been too much of an Adam Sandler. Me, me neither. I've never seen it, but my roommate, my freshman year of college was like, in uh, in love with that movie and quoted it all the time and I was like I don't mm-hmm. know what you're quoting and I was, I was like I'm a huge movie guy I quote movies all the time but I was like I have no idea what that line means and he was like it's happy yeah like, oh okay <laughs> yeah okay yeah I watch it I'm still not too much of an Adam Sandler fan sorry <laughs> but but uh, yeah but uh, you know check us out uh, SNL nerds we're on the on the I nearly said the Fire and Water Podcast Network <laughs> we're on the non-productive podcast network. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you very much for, for coming back, and thanks to all of you who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. This show is 
patronized, as Sam would use the word, by the Right On Network and Jeff and Rick presents Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks everyone for listening, and until next time, we're closed. You know, Carl, it's uh, nice to see you surrounded by such a loving family. <laughs> it's eerie, Sam. Mm. I got a husband who does windows, and all the kids are out of jail. <laughs> the first time in my life, when morning comes around, I want to open up my eyes instead of my wrists. That's beautiful, honey. 